and welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. I am your host, Neil Cordray, and I am playing solo this week, which means, of course, uh, we couldn't get together at our regular time to res- to uh, record a full episode, so I'm doing a top ten. Um, some people also will no- may notice that uh, this is four days late. This is coming out four days later than its uh, usually scheduled time. That is because I just haven't had time to actually sit down and record this darn thing. Um, and the reason for that is I've been a bit busy with other projects, uh, work, of course, and I am rehearsing for a uh, for a play. Specifically, I'm going to be in a production of As You Like It, um, which I will plug very momentarily, at the Springfield Art Museum on July the 11th, 12th, and 13th, as well as the 18th, 19th, and 20th. Uh, show starts at 7 o'clock and is free and open to the public. So if anyone wants to see me in a play, there's your chance. And because I've been busy with Shakespeare, I thought, why not take this opportunity to flex my theater nerd and geek uh, muscles a little bit and talk about my top ten favorite Shakespearean plays. Um... So, here we are. I'm going to list them, talk about them a little bit, talk about what I, why I like them, why I put them where they are. Keep in mind, um, some of the plays that, that... There are a few plays that are not on this list, not because they aren't good. I don't think, really, Shakespeare wrote too many really bad plays. Uh, but mostly because, one, this is my list, or two, I haven't actually seen or been in a production of... One of them, of, of a couple of them, like the big one that everyone would be like, well, it's one of his best plays. Why is it not on my list is Othello um, for a very simple reason of I've never been in a production of Othello. I've never seen a production of Othello. Um, and these are all going to be things that either I have seen a production of or an adaptation of or that I have been in. So that's a slight limitation for this list. And yeah, I've really never actually even seen a full uh, adaptation or production of Othello. It's kind of a weird, random blind spot in my uh, in my Shakespearean experience, which is an interesting s- sentence to speak. Shakespearean experience. Try saying that three times fast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, per usual, this is semi-unscripted and off the cuff, but. Uh, that's kind of the fun of these, right? At least that's the idea. If you massively disagree with my list, why don't you share uh, share one in the comments on our Facebook page or on our website, or send us an email um, at our email link on our website, www.workingtheoryproductions.com. Don't forget to smash like and ring that bell if we were on if we were on YouTube. Um, have I said all the obnoxious things that are required to be said to be? you know, hip and trendy and work that algorithm yet? No? Well, I can't remember what else I should say, so let's just get on with it. With our number 10. If we shadows have offended, think but this and all is mended, that you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear. My number 10 is A Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, it's one of my favorite comedies of Shakespeare's, um, 
Despite being one of my favorite comedies, it's pretty high on the list, and that's because I actually really prefer his tragedies and his histories to his comedies. Um, there's another one that's next on the list, which I don't know why I, I kind of put these in an arbitrary order. Um, maybe because I'd been in it more recently. Um, but Midsummer's is one of is also one of his more easily accessible plays. If you don't know Shakespeare, Midsummer's Night, A Midsummer Night's Dream is actually a really good place to start. A lot of people will be like, "Oh, you should start with Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet." One, I think Romeo and Juliet's actually an overrated play. Um, it's not on this list, and Hamlet, well, is very good and is on this list is a bit dense and maybe hard to approach a midsummer night's dream is very very easy to approach and that's one of the reasons i like it so much that and um i i've always i always like um shakespeare's trickster characters and you get a great one in puck the trickster god of the fairies, servant to Oberon and Titania, and owner of that little, um, of that little small bit of a speech that I read. Um, it's, you know, it, it's basic, it's a simple, everybody falls in love, and it's the one, and it, it's actually the play that sort of codifies the trope of all Shakespearean comedies end with everyone getting married. <laughs> because pretty much everyone gets married in this one. Uh, but, uh... It's a lot of fun and a, and a really good place to start. So I highly recommend A Midsummer Night's Dream. Number nine. Dost thou not suspect my place? Dost thou not suspect my years? Oh, that he were here to write me down an ass. But masters, remember that I am an ass. Though it be not written down, yet forget not that I am an ass. No, thou villain, thou art full of piety, as shall be proved upon thee with good witness. Number uh, nine is Much Ado About Nothing. And, uh... The main reason it's better, it's higher on my list than A Midsummer Night's Dream is because of uh, Inspector Dogberry there. Uh, that speech is one of my favorite. It's it's kind of one, it unless you're auditioning for the play it's in there. It's kind it's always considered semi semi gauche to uh, to uh, read a monologue from a play that you're auditioning for unless that's specifically what's called for. But this is one of my go-to uh, comedic um, Shakespearean monologue entries. Uh, that and uh, the Porter scene from uh, from Macbeth. Yeah, I'll sit. I'll turn around three times and spit later. Um, I'm not in a theater, so it's okay. Um, Inspector Dogberry is one of the more foolish of Shakespeare's fools. Shakespeare tends to write his fools in one of two ways, either incredibly foolish or actually being the smartest person in the room. And no one ever seems to remember it, uh, realize it. At least, you know, if you're talking about people in 
play, you know, in, like that are they on on the stage. Uh, Dogberry very firmly falls into the "what the hell is he talking about" category, as opposed to being smarter than, uh, than you know he appears. No, he's he's pretty dumb, and that's what's great about him. Um, I also have a semi uh, soft spot for this right now. If you if you ask me to list my favorite Shakespeare plays, a lot of them will be uh, inf- inflected a little bit by my proximity to them. How recently I have been, I have seen or done a production of one, and I was in a production of, of Much Ado just last year, so it's fresh in my mind, which makes it fresh in my heart. Um, thus, why it gets the number nine spot instead of Midsummer, even though I think Midsummer is probably actually the superior comedy uh, from many standpoints. But oh well, this is a subjective list, and uh, I'm subject, I'm subjective. Hello. And now we will go on to number eight. Unhappy that I am, I cannot heave my heart into my mouth. I love your majesty according to my bond. No more nor less. Good, my lord, you have begot me, bred me, loved me. I return those duties back as are right fit. Obey you, love you, and most honor you. Why have my sister's husbands, if they say they love you all, happily then shall I wed? That lord whose hand must take my plight shall carry half my love with him, half my care and duty. Sure, I shall never marry like my sisters to love my father all. Unhappy that I am, I cannot heave. Uh, That's actually, I'm just repeating myself. (laughs) That's what I get for reading these uh, monologues off of a... Off a website. So, number eight is King Lear. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the comedies, because I'm pretty much done talking about that. I think there's one more way up on my list. Um, but aside from that, nah, it's not too far. I, whatever. Um, at this point, we're pretty much going to be um, tragic and or historical for, like, the rest of the play. Uh, rest of the, of the run. Oh, well, I guess, no. Whatever. I digress. King Lear is... It's a masterpiece. Um, it, you know, the, the descent... Lear's descent into madness and frailty is just kind of amazing to watch and to witness. And it's been a very long time since I've actually seen or seen a production of King Lear or read it. So I'm having difficulty sort of um, drawing up my thoughts about it. But... That's how important. That's how good it is. The fact of the matter is, even though I can't remember half of it, it makes my list. Um, <laughs> yeah, King Lear. Um, I have so little to say here. It's kind of sad. Um, 
So let's just go on to the next one, number seven. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing end them, to die, to sleep, no more, and by asleep, to say we end the heartache of the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished, to die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream, ay, there's the rub, for in that sleep of death what dreams may come. Number seven is Hamlet. Yeah, number seven. Um, there are many who would argue that Hamlet is Shakespeare's best play. I obviously would argue with that, but it's definitely worth mentioning. Um, and this is a subjective list. I don't like it as much as I like others. Although it might be his best written play. I can give it that. Um, Hamlet is one of those plays that is just so kind of perfect that it defies conceptualization. It's... Uh, I don't know. Even now, now I'm kind of I'm kind of second guessing myself because it it's fantastic, and yet there's a lot of things that are just kind of wrong with it. Um, Hamlet, you know, sees his dad, so he goes on a killing spree, and everybody ends up dead. Um, like everybody ends up dead, except for like at the end, Fortinbras, who shows up at the end isn't dead because somebody has to run Denmark. Um, but it's an, it, it's, it's one of those plays that's very much worth its hype. So, uh, if you ever get a chance, um, check out the Kenneth Branagh film of it. It is to, it is to date the only completely unedited and unabridged staging of Hamlet. And it is amazing. It was definitely a massive passion project from Branagh. Um, and it shows. Um, it has freaking everyone in it. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what else I can really say about Hamlet either, because... Of the play, if if you know Shakespeare, you know two, maybe three of his plays. Um, if if you're not like a, a if you're not someone who actively knows Shakespeare, you still know two or three of his plays. You know Romeo and Juliet, you know Hamlet, and uh, you pr and you might know Macbeth. They're his three most famous plays, easily. Um, and Hamlet. And Macbeth, for good reason. Uh, Macbeth comes up later on my list. Spoilers. Um, but there's a reason that you know it. It's because it's so good. So if you haven't seen it in a while, check it out again. It's always worth, it, worth a, a look. I'm going to go ahead and go on into number six. Number six. 
Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And some have greatness thrust upon them. That is from Twelfth Night. And it's... it's it, it, so, if you ever really look at much into Shakespeare, there are some things that, like, just everybody knows um, and gets quoted every, everywhere by everyone. Um, and that greatness bit is the big one from Twelfth Night. Um, <laughs> Twelfth Night is um, also a madcap comedy. I had forgotten that it was on this list, and so is another one that's like way up the list because it's one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. I always forget that it's considered a comedy because I just think of it as really damn good. Um, not Twelfth Night, the, the next one, but, but that's beside the point. Um, Twelfth Night holds a special place in my heart for a very, very basic and kind of silly reason. It's the first Shakespearean play I was actually in. That's why it's so high on this list. <laughs> um, I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say it's better than the plays it's after. It's just nearer and dearer to my heart. Because uh, Twelfth Night was the first Shakespeare play I acted in. I can't even remember who I played in it. Let's take a look at the casting and see if I can remember. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, this is the. I, this is also the one where I started playing. This is also the first play. Well, it was the first play I was in. It was I was also like three people in it. I was Fabian. I was uh, Senor. And uh, not Antonio, uh, I believe I was Senior Curio. And um, uh, I feel like I was someone else too. I can't remember who. Uh, back when I was in Jeff City um, and did Shakespeare in the Park with them, I invariably got like th three or four of the tiny roles because we didn't have a very big actor pool, and I have a pretty big pool of voices. Um, so... Um, Twelfth Night, yeah, it, I mean, it's okay, it's fun. It's, uh... It's another kind of basic farcical, um... Uh... Farcical play. Um, it once again in um, has um, women um, cross-dressing as men because apparently Shakespeare just thought that was the funniest damn thing ever. Um, because of course it did. Um, <laughs> Shakespeare did that a lot. There were a lot. There are a lot of tropes in Shakespearean work, but. Uh, It's still fun. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. These top tens are always off the cuff and a little bit more weird. And I apologize for that, but it's mostly because um, we're always off the cuff and I very rarely script. Um, <laughs> maybe I should one of these years. In any case, we'll go on then to number five. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is often turred with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. 
the noble Brutus hath told you that Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault, and grievously hath Caesar answered it. But here, under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, so are they all honorable men, I come to speak in Caesar's funeral. He was my friend, faithful and just to me, but Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. He hath brought many captives home to Rome, whose ransoms did, did, the, general's con did the general coffers fill. Did this, in Caesar, did this in Caesar seem ambitious? When that the poor have cried, Caesar hath wept. Ambition should be made of sterner stuff. Yet Brutus says he was ambitious. And Brutus is an honorable man. The Tragic History of Julius Caesar. Um, it's hard to believe that this is the first history play, although it's only sort of a history um, on my list. Um, I would consider it a history, um, even though a lot of people tend to, uh, tend to categorize it as a tragedy instead, mostly because the histories, uh, Shakespeare's history plays uh, tend to be uh, theoretical Eng English history plays as opposed to um, world history plays. Um, I just... Caesar, um, part of the reason I like it so much is because of that speech. Um, that's another speech that I sometimes use, in a, use as an audition piece. Um, and it's just so good um also it's because i'm a classics nerd and you know as a classics nerd i am i, I am drawn to things of the uh of the classical nature such as the assassination of julius caesar which was a actual thing that happened um and the wars that broke out about it and the Effective uh, start of the decline of Roman civilization. I mean, it kept going for a while as, a Ro as the Roman Empire. Um, but Caesar was definitely the, the apex. Julius Caesar was uh, generally considered to be pretty much the apex of, Ro of Roman uh, society. Um, at least as a form of, you know as the empire. I mean, people will also argue that the Republic was better, but whatever, whatever. Um, and it kind of went downhill from him is the point. So, and you know, anything that involves, you know, having a, anything that gets on screen, um, on screen, on, uh, on stage deaths is fun at two Brute, then fall Caesar. Um, Good stuff. Number four. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, 
full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Number four is the Scottish play. I'll say it once for the theater people. Um, also known as Macbeth. Um, I've made a couple of references and jokes. Uh, Macbeth is considered a cursed play, um, such that unless you are performing it, you're not supposed to mention it on stage or in a theater. Uh, if you do, there are a number of potential remedies as to what you're supposed to do. Um, run around the theater three times nude, turn around three times windershins and spit, um, th turn around three times clockwise and spit. Um, it's always threes, which is kind of interesting. Um, I don't go in much for, uh, for theatrical superstition, uh, but us theater people are a superstitious lot, so I always say I'm not in a uh, playhouse at the moment, even though, uh, even though our boy Jacques in, uh, in As You Like It would say all that all the world's a stage and all its men and women merely players, um, but, <laughs> um, Macbeth is, I, Macbeth is, is interesting because it's one of Shakespeare's more violent plays, and except for, you know, Titus Andronicus, which is so far outside of, of Shakespeare's standard writing that some people debate whether or not Shakespeare actually wrote it. Like, not the people who say, ah, no, all of Shakespeare's plays were written by Sir Francis Bacon. No, no one, no one in academia really believes that. But some people in academia do believe that maybe he didn't write all of Titus. <laughs> but this one is, uh, is accepted as, uh, as fully Shakespearean, although it's also shorter than his average plays because it was never actually really fully completed. Um... And it was written, um, it was written primarily because, um, was it Edward? Uh, da, 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 da. I think it was, oh yeah, no, it, no, it got a, its resurgence when King Edward took the throne because he had this thing about not liking witches. Um, and, um... I believe it was uh, King Edward. Give me a second here. Uh, da, 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 to the internet. The Malleus Maleficarum. Heinrich Kramer. Um, let's see. 1486. I'm getting confused with other stuff. Never mind. Um, any case, there was a king who didn't like uh, who didn't like witches, and as a result, uh, Macbeth got a resurgence uh, because you know you've got the three weird weird sisters, double double troil, toil and trouble, and all that stuff. Um, Macbeth's another one I've actually been in. Um, my and it gets high on my list because it's my first ever it, it has my first ever on stage death I've died a couple times off stage in other plays um, but I've never died on stage 
except for this once. Also, I had to play two of the three murderers um, in uh, <laughs> in in uh, in that in our production of it, uh, the ones that go and kill uh, Lady Macduff. Um, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, I like uh, I like Macbeth because it's uh, it 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 is uh, one of his more Greek tragedies too, showing the um, showing showing sort of the downfall of ambition, and yet at the same time he just deals with fate. So it, it is very it is very Greek tragedy in its sort of in it, in sort of underpinnings, which is interesting from a theatrical perspective. So. That's that. On to number four. I mean three. I've lost count. Good job, Neil. Nay, she must be old. She cannot choose but be old. Certain she's old. And had Robin Nightwork by the old Nightwork before I came to Clement's End. That's fifty-five years ago. Ha! <laughs> Cousin Silence... That thou hast been, that thou hast seen, that this night and I have seen. Ha, Sir John, say I well. We have heard the chimes at midnight, Master Shallow. That we have, that we have, that we have. In faith, Sir John, we have. Our watchword was hem, boys. Come, let's to dinner. Come, let's to dinner. Hey, sooth, the days that we have seen. Come, come. Number three is a cheat. Uh, I'm listing uh, the history of Henry IV parts one and two because really it's one play. Uh, it's just so big that they couldn't do a single play. Um, and is frequently either performed together in one big shot, which, whew, or um, more often is is uh, performed in uh, consecutive nights. And one of the main reasons for my love of Henry IV is Sir John Falstaff. Um, almost definitely Shakespeare's... One, almost def definitely one of Shakespeare's most famous and best characters. Um, it is the, uh, it is the hope of any larger gentleman, uh, in the theater to get a chance to play Falstaff. <laughs> um, and I'm sure some of you are thinking, but, but isn't he in The Merry Wives of Windsor too? Yes, he is. Um, but that's not exactly what you're famous for. Um, <laughs> there's also some uh, argument that whether, whether or not Falstaff is actually based off of someone or not, um, historically speaking, because there are a few people that might be um, Falstaff and some people that might not be. And 
he is Shakespeare's most famous coward. Um, but everyone loves him because he's he is the you know he's the life of the party and it's kind of nice. Um, banish plump Jack and banish the whole world. Huh. I really want to be in, a, in in some of the... I really want to be in, in the Henry ad, kind of in general. That would just be so much fun. Um, but yeah, Henry, Henry, Henry IV, parts one and two. Um, there we are. You do look, my son, in a moved sort, as if, as if you were dismayed. Be cheerful, sir. Our revels are now ended. These are actors, as I foretold you. We're all spirits and are melted into air, into thin air. And, like the baseless fabric of the vision, the cloud-capped towers, the gorgeous places, the solemn temples, the great globe itself, ye all which it inherit shall dissolve." And like this insubstantial pageant faded, leave not a rack behind. We are such stuff as dreams are made on, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. Sir, I am vexed. Bear not, bear with my weakness. My brain is troubled. Be not disturbed with my infirmity. If you be pleased, retire into my cell, and there repose. A turn or two I'll walk to still my beating mind. Number two is The Tempest. In my opinion, The Tempest is probably Shakespeare, is probably actually Shakespeare's best play. Um, and I'm not alone in that, in, in that uh, opinion. Um, it is a, an opinion that I have heard others uh, espouse as well. Um, is uh, regarded by many to perhaps be one of the last plays that Shakespeare wrote alone. Um, and it's just kind of amazing and perfect and why is it my number two? Because my number one has a special, special place in my in my heart specifically. We'll get to it in a second. Um, the Tempest is even more surreal than Midsummer Night's Dream, and I've always been a big fan of of surreality. Um, so that's another reason why it it ranks so high here. Um, I would love to get a chance to play Ariel or Caliban or Caliban or even Pro or like Prospero, but yeah, it's hard to get Prospero. Um, I'm not really quite old enough to be Prospero. Um, it's had so many good adaptations too, like. If you want an idea of 
the sort of the pinnacle of the art form, I would say take a look at The Tempest. If you want my favorite speech in all of English literature, then you'll need my number one. Oh, for a muse of fire that would ascend the brightest heaven of invention, a kingdom for a stage, princes to act, and monarchs to behold the swelling scene. Then should the warlike Harry, like himself, assume the port of Mars, and at his heels, leashed in like hounds, should famine, sword, and fire crouch for employment. But pardon, and gentles all, the flat, unraised spirits that have dared on this unworthy scaffold to bring forth so great an object. Can this cockpit hold the vasty fields of France? Or may we cram within this wooden O the very casks which did affright the air at Agincourt? Oh, pardon, since a crooked figure may attest in little place a million. And let us, ciphers, to this great accompt, on your imaginary forces work. Suppose within the girdle of these walls are now confined two mighty monarchies, whose high, upreared, and abutting, and abutting fronts the perilous narrow ocean, ocean parts asunder. Piece out our imperfections with your thoughts, into a thousand parts divide a man, and make imaginary puissance. Think when we speak of horses that you see them, printing their proud hooves in the receiving earth. For tis your thoughts which now must deck our kings, carry them here and there, jumping o'er times, turning the accomplishment of many years into an hourglass. For the which supply, admit me, chorus to this history, who, prologue-like, your humble patience pray, gently to hear, kindly to judge, our play. My number one favorite Shakespearean play is Henry V. It's just kind of amazingly good. Um, filled with amazing, amazing speeches, um, including that one right there, which is my absolute go-to audition piece um, if I need just something good. Um, also, it's got the the St. Crispin's Day speech, which is also amazing. We happy few, we, ha we band of brothers. Um, and it's a play that nobody stages. <laughs> because it <clears throat> requires a big-ass cast. And battle. <laughs> and so many things. Um, but chorus is my is my bucket roll um i i will find a way to play chorus to henry the 5th before i die if i have to stage the damn play myself
Oh, for a muse of fire. It's such amazing, amazing language. Also, the Branda version's really good. Um, that was my first exposure to it. In fact, it's been my only actual exposure to it because, like I said, very few people, very few people actually stage it because it's hard to stage. Um, because, well, you need a big-ass cast. Um, you need a lot of gravitas with that cast. So it's hard to do right. But boy, do I love it. We hope in future weeks to share with you things of slightly less ephemera. Uh, once again, if you want to see me in a, in a play, we're performing As You Like It. I am performing the role of Touchstone, the jester. Um, that will be at the Springfield Art Museum, Springfield, Missouri, um, uh, July 11th, 12th, and 13th, as well as uh, 18th, 19th, and 20th. Um, show starts at 7 o'clock. Admission is free, but it's outside, so bring your own chair. We'll talk to you next time on Geek Fanthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter S and the number 79. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McCloud. If you enjoyed this podcast and are someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media. Send us an email, leave us a comment. If you listen on iTunes, please rate us. Uh, please also check out our Twitter and Facebook pages for links to interesting things, as well as things like our Discord. And we make some regular updates. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us, either by making a one-time donation on our website through PayPal, or a recurring one on Patreon at patreon.com slash workingtheory. A final thought. Oh, for a muse of fire. Man, just gets me every time.